everybody. This is the Kicking the Tires podcast. I'm Mason. Today I've got with me Luke. Hey. And Frank. Hey. Uh, well, I guess to get this episode started off with, tell us a little bit about the cars you got. Well, right now I have a 69 Rally Sport Super Sport Camaro and a 71 Firebird. Uh, and I just sold my 68 Camaro. Okay. Uh, between the two, what's your favorite? <sighs> right now it has to be the Firebird. Okay. That was my first car, so, you know, I mean, it, it's it's nice. So your first car you ever got, like, that's your... My first car was a 77 Firebird, so it, it's close. Okay. It's close. But, uh, yeah. And what kind of state is this in? Is it a project? Is it done? You Is it restored? Is it original? Uh, Firebird, it's it's restored now. It uh, When I bought it, it was a basket case, no motor, transmission, no drive shaft, no interior, no body. I just I, I basically bought a frame and the title. <laughs> Don't ever do that. It, do not buy a project car, ever. <laughs> well, that's probably a bad thing for you, Luke. I'm already two feet in. Are you? <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I'll tell you, you have to stick with it. If you're a procrastinator, do not buy a project car. Because, I mean, like my Camaro I've got now, I've got to hit it every weekend. I mean, every weekend, or it'll never get done. Definitely have to have a lot of determination when it comes to these old cars, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it is a project, but how, how far along is it running? Is it driving? Is it the state you want it to be? Well, the, the Firebird's done. The Camaro, hopefully I'll, I'll get fire on it in about a week or two. But I bought it. What I did is I bought a good car, I thought, <laughs> but, the, but the undercarriage was terrible. Mm-hmm. So I had to restore it and redo that and redo the engine. What did you end up doing for an engine for the uh, fire, um, Firebird? The Firebird. The Firebird, uh, what I did for that is I was looking for uh, engines. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, it was like $1,500, $2,000 for one that need to be rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Well, I found a car. And I found a car with a motor that had 700, I mean, 70,000 miles on it. So I took it out, went through it. Six hundred bucks later, I've got an engine, transmission, and I sold the car, so I got most of my money back. So that's the cheapest <laughs> thing on that Firebird. Tell you what kind of engine? Four hundred with nice. four hundred turbo transmission. I bet that's nice. Yeah, you know we can't com- compete with these new cars, but it does all right. I I don't care if we can compete with the new cars or not. Just hearing that loud old motor just going down the roads, amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 something. I enjoy it. Where'd you end up finding your uh, fire or your Camaro? I mean, which one? The '69. The '69. It was a friend of my wife. He's actually had it since the '80s, and I really can't blame him for everything uh, on it because um, what had happened is it was a true RSSS, mm-hmm. but it was a rust bucket. So in the '80s, what they did is they took the 12 bolt rear end out of it, the motor, transmission, and was going to jump the car. And then this guy bought it. And once he bought it, he redone it with GM quarters and GM fenders. But the undercarriage, the body shop kind of just done whatever. Yeah, well, I can understand that. I mean, the, the undercarriage, especially around Indiana, is probably about the worst thing with the salt on the road. Oh, yeah, it was, it was terrible. Frame rails, I mean, floor pans, it, it, was, it, was, it was terrible. So how did you get your start in all this? I mean, I'm, you mentioned buying a project car is a horrible idea. You never recommend it. But obviously, you, you subscribed to that, and you did that. 
Right. So how did you find yourself in that situation? Just you saw the car and couldn't help it? Yeah, well, I tell you, the, my first car, if we, we back up, my first car was a 60, well, not my first car, but the first car restored was a 68 Camaro. And I wanted a good body and a bad engine because I plan on just putting an engine in it and go. Well, I found one with a brand new engine, brand new transmission, and a terrible body. So... <laughs> Did the opposite first. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I had to learn on that one. But I, of course, I'm a welder by trade. So, you know, replacing quarter panels and all that stuff's easy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Firebird was a different, a different animal because, I mean, when you, you're taking four front seats and welding them together and make two front seats, and then you got so much money in it, you have to repost your interior yourself because <laughs> you're, you know, your wife says you put enough in it. <laughs> <laughs> learn to do a lot yourself then you you learn to do a lot yeah yeah but i mean if you have the patience go for it but if if you don't because it's going to it's going to test you and it's 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 trying i mean you know i mean there's days like i'll start on one project and i want to do something else because this one here is such a pain but just i just stay with it yeah well and you know i know that I heard from an old man one time that they you should really buy one that runs and drives first before you get a project because at the end of the day, if you get mad at the project instead of throwing a wrench through the window like I would do, you can take and dri- you drive the other one and go have some fun and get your stress burnt out. Yes, because, I mean, buy the best project you can. Do that because, I mean, I've got a friend right now who's got a 70 Camaro, mm-hmm. and he's had it 35 years it has not changed at all. It hasn't done nothing to it. And I mean, it, it, it will it'll wear on you. That's why there's so many project cars for sale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. I think that's how I ended up with that blue fastback of mine is that it had been through three different owners because each one had finally gotten to a point where they were just so tired with having to take and put more money into it and get it to where it's at. And me being the last guy, I only have about maybe fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars worth of parts left to put on it, and it's just really a radio and speakers. Wow, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know that's what you should do because I mean that way you can enjoy it, and 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 add things later. I mean when you get one like I've got, I mean you're talking sometimes years. I mean the, the Firebird, I think it took me on and off three years, but that was me working on it every weekend, every weekend. Our shelves. Yeah. No. <laughs> what was the most challenging thing between the two and three, uh, three restorations you're doing so far? What was the most challenging thing you had to do? I really think it's the, the Camaro, I mean, the 69, because uh, with the Firebird, I cut everything off. I cut quarter panels off and everything, so you can kind of put it back in order. Mm-hmm. Well, with this Camaro, it's got GM quarter panels on it, and it's got GM fenders and all that, so I didn't want to cut everything apart, so you got to kind of – work like putting outer uh, wheel tubs in mm-hmm. well when the quarters are off they're easy when the quarters are in they're hard <laughs> they're a pain but uh you know uh, that's I th- i'd say the outer wheel tub was the worst see i thought the painting probably would have been the worst one because i'm i mean i'm okay with the spray bomb can but i i can't do very good laying coat of paint down yeah well let me tell you something else about this you talk about hard the 69 the guy used a lot of tar on everything, so everything's tarred. And well, I've got to clean everything and paint it, repaint it, because I'm me. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty bad. But like a uh, paint, I do everything but the paint. I let somebody else do the paint. Mm-hmm. Well, that was going to be one of my questions because you know there's some guys out there that are willing to take and do that, but you know there's also guys out there that there's some things that they knows beyond what they really want to do, and it's better just to sub it out at the end of the day. Well, and I, you know, I think you could paint. It might not be show quality. But the thing of it is, is then, you know, you've got to buy spray guns and this and that. And it's just, to me, it's just easier to just take it somewhere and get shot. So speaking of, like, different qualities and stuff like that, when you were going into these, what did you define as, like, your goal? Was it just a functional car? Was it you had to, you want to take it to shows? Do you want to be able to race, not race it, but, like, you know, drive it fast and fun? Well, I mean, I wanted to uh, go to shows. It's not, it's not going to win top tier at a show, but I mean, it wins awards and I like driving them. Like, you know, this last weekend, I, I think I put it like 115 miles on my car. And I know a lot of guys with, you know, cars, they don't, mm-hmm. but I mean, they're just meant to be drove. I think that's the one thing that always kind of burns me up is you hear a guy that's got, and this is an a, out of the world number, but the guy that's got a hundred thousand dollars in a car, which that's possible. Yeah. But then they, they say, well, I drive it a lot. Oh, yeah, how many miles you got on it? Well, it's been done for about five years, so I got about 2,000 miles. Like, you ain't driving yeah. that car. Yeah. That's sitting in your garage. That's a princess. That ain't doing nothing. I seen a guy come to the show once, and he had a Camaro on the trailer. And he pulled he pulled the Camaro on the trailer, and it was just mint. I mean, it had the little cardboard on a radio from the factory and, and all that. I'm like, ah, come on. Mm-hmm. That car's not being driven. They're tools, and at the end of the day, we all have fun with them our own way. Some people race them. Some people have something nice to drive around or to show off at other shows. And um, whenever you go into these things, you kind of have to put that in, in your mind, too. Like you mentioned, the paint. You knew that your quality of paint wasn't going to be up to your standards, so you found someone who could do it up to your standards. But then you went and did the interior. Do you Are you happy with how the interior turned out? Is that the quality that you wanted out of it, or Think something you'll readdress later on with the professional. No, the quality on the interior is, I mean, it's just as good as ones I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen. Uh, but, like, the final bodywork and paint, it's, I mean, it's, that's too tedious for me. Because, I mean, even my trunk, I mean, when I welded my trunk up, then, you know, bond on over it and sanding and bond on sanding and, and this and that. I mean, I spent three weeks on it, and I'm like, I couldn't imagine doing a whole car. It, it just... Mm-mm, that's not me. There's some of them guys out there, though, that just have the finesse about it. I, it blows my mind, but I guess when you have the talent, you've got the talent for it. Yeah, I, I do dry, I've do. i done drywall, and I'm not a mutter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know what I can do. Oh, I, I could probably waste a lot of Bondo before I'd realize I just need to stop doing it. Yeah. Now, so you mentioned earlier that the previous owner put a lot of tar on it. Now, some people may not know why would they why would someone do that? Uh, you know, weather weather coat it because uh, what they did this is what they did was terrible and, it, and it, like I said this was the '80s. This car wasn't worth nothing in the '80s, and uh, so what they did is, is they left all the rusty floor pans, and then just put tar and threw sheet metal on top of that and then tarred over that. So it it was it was terrible. So they were just patching a problem and hoping it didn't get worse. Right? Why are you putting and, and the tar it, on? There? It got worse. <laughs> It got worse. Yeah. Because as bad as my other two cars were, this one here, I had to put floor pans and the seat pan in it, and 
inner rocker panels. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was pretty bad. That's probably the bane of every car guy is rust. Just rust. It's a cancer. Yeah, and you don't know what you're getting until you start tearing into one. Well, because every car, especially like, you know, with the Mustangs, they were always bad about their shock tires getting rotted out. And I know Corvettes, the birdcage, mm-hmm. tends to have issues. Every car's got their magic little spot that every guy will tell you, don't buy one if it ain't got good shock tires because it's going to be a hard thing to fix. Yeah, yeah. The GM guys are pretty lucky. They don't have to deal with that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish that was true. I got uh, a little bit of rust on my on my Corvette. Oh, really? Right at the radiator core support. Uh, someone over here put a screwdriver through it one day because he's like, I wonder <laughs> if I could poke that and just right through it. Well, I mean, his car is pretty much a rolling tetanus shot. So, I mean, I don't I don't know if I want to be too close. I've already got my shot. You'd be fine. <laughs> what year is it? It's a 70. Is it a 70? Mm-hmm. Oh, so you got a chrome front bumper then. Um. I wouldn't go that far. It was yeah. supposed to, yes. Supposed to have a chrome front. Uh, current bumper is painted on. I didn't do that. Yeah. It's, it's literally like the rhino liner, the textured paint. I'm like, oh, I mean, <laughs> that's one way to do it. It's a black one, and uh, it's painfully obvious that it was just painted on. <laughs> <laughs> there's some guys that do that, though. You're, there's your barnyard fixes, and then there's your professionals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so how mechanical are you? Well, I'm learning that one a little bit. I can figure it out. It just takes some time. And I'm really wanting to build up my skills. So that's kind of why I got a project car. I didn't want someone else's completed project that all I have to do is drive it. Don't get me wrong. I like driving it. But I wanted to, I wanted to learn a lot of skills. So you mentioned doing the interior. I'm probably going to do the interior of my car as well. Uh, it's way down the road. I got far bigger fish to fry, like the engine and stuff like that. It needs to be replaced. Right. Uh, but even the paint and stuff, I'm interested in trying it out. We'll see if I end up keeping whatever work I put down, but uh, I want to learn all that and get better with it. Well, and speaking of projects, because like where he's got two of them, what's a good starting point money-wise? Because, you know, you kind of, you can't have it all up front. It's not like, I mean, a project you can't get done in a week. So it's kind of, you can spread your money out over time, but what's something good to have in the beginning just from the get-go? Well, and it all depends on the car, too, because, I, I, for instance, now I, now I have a 71 Firebird, all right? It's just like a Camaro. A dashboard for – this is it's probably changed since then. A dashboard for a 71 Camaro is about $250. A dashboard for a 71 Firebird is about $1,000. So, uh, you know, it, it depends on your car because I don't like – Quarter panels. Quarter panels for 68 Camaro, 69 Camaro, $329 for four quarter panels. For a Firebird, $550. Yeah. So, I mean, it gets expensive quick. It definitely, I think it does depend on the popularity of the car because, you know, some of them are starting to make strides towards the getting to be more popular now. Like, I know the Firebird's picking up a lot in the last couple of years. I see them all the time. But, you know, these re- reproduction parts manufacturers, they're just trying to stick with the guys that are big, like Camaro and Mustang and all the Dodge stuff like that. You know, there are some guys out there that do the offhand cars, but I know it probably can be tough finding some stuff. Yeah, and you know what, though? The older I get, the more I appreciate other cars, like AMCs, like mm-hmm. the Javelins. I mean, I would I would love to have one because it's, it's something you don't see a lot of. Mm-hmm. 
this is done. 69 Camaro, I'm done after this. <laughs> You've met your match. Yeah, yeah I've I'm learned done. my lesson, I think. Well, are you more brand loyal? Or do, you, do you like the General Motors cars, or are you a little bit of everything? No, I'm, I'm everything because actually the day before I bought that Firebird, I looked at a 72 or 73 Cuda. Mm-hmm. But it was just – it made the Firebird look good, and it was about ten times the price. So yeah. there you go. But, no, I've, I've, I've liked uh, – I had a Challenger. So I've had a Challenger. You know, I've had GMs. Uh, I haven't owned Fords. Well, I have owned four trucks, but I mean, no, I'm not brands. I mean, I own anything I like, you know, Audis, mm-hmm. whatever. So someone else getting into this, getting into restoring a project or buying their first project, something like that, what are some skills that you would deem essential for getting in? Or at least, if you don't know how to do it, being prepared to learn a lot about it. Would it be the mechanical portions, or is it just like what to look for in buying a project? Um Common sense. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a big Common problem. Sense. That's going to be hard. I'm done here. <laughs> but, I mean, look, your first project, you probably are going to get in over your head because you think you can do everything. Then you're going to realize it. Because even me, I've, I've been a welder for, you know, 30-something years. And even now, you know, I have to scratch my head on some things, that, you know, to get them to work. I mean, right, right now I'm, I'm fighting getting a fender and a door lined up. Mm-hmm. I put an aftermarket hinge on the bottom, and I didn't change nothing else. I didn't open the door. I didn't change the hinge. I didn't didn't change the striker. I just took one off and put it on, and I'm it's a bear trying to get to just everything right back. So I oh I know that pain because I had to take the door off of one of my coops, and it just it took forever to take and. You'd have to keep taking and loosening that hinge on the bottom back up and pushing the door up just enough to match, tightening it up and hoping when you shut the door it was just perfect. It It's minuscule things that can really throw off body work in oh, yeah. that kind of sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm glad to see you young guys getting into it too, though, because, I mean, you know, that was our social media. When I was 16, that was our social media. I mean, you know, meeting, cruising and meeting our friends and going out and Friday nights working on our cars and, you know, somebody put a cam in it Friday night and go racing Saturday, you know. Blow it up on Sunday. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> that's the only thing that I love, the new cars. Mm-hmm. The one thing I hate about the new cars is the guys don't get to work on them and experience like us old-timers did on mm-hmm. our old cars. It is a very different time, and you're talking about, how powerful these new cars are and it, it's incredible they're rolling off with much higher horsepower numbers than a lot of these old cars did seems a lot of these new guys aren't really going more towards working on their motors and stuff i mean there's some stuff you can add on to it but it seems like a lot of these new guys are going more towards exterior modifications like they're putting on the big fins or getting tires that kind of set squat seems like they're more about putting their money towards the outside of the car than they are putting it into the motor and trying to make it unique in that sense, take it out to the drag strip or strip and run it, you know, and all that. Yeah. Well, think about it with social media. They can't feel the power of a, a car if you've got a new cam in it or anything like that. But if you go and put huge wheels on your car, someone's going to see that. I'm like, oh, they put some money into that. Even mm-hmm. if it is just the wheels, it's all you changed. Yeah. And, and go back to the horsepower, you know, I'm, I'm a – Project to the 80s. So GT Mustangs, the Fox Body Mustangs. I remember when, you know, 87, 88, 
what do they have, 225 horsepower or something like that? Kind of close. Yeah, fastest thing on a road. <laughs> and then I knew a couple of guys put nitrous on theirs. Mm-hmm. So that, that was it. And now you, you bring those guys now, and anything could beat them. But back then, I mean, that was just the baddest thing on the road. Yeah. Well, and back in the day, too, I'm sure it's guys could take, like you said, they could tear their car down on Monday, have it built back by Wednesday, and be out at the racetrack on Friday. I mean, nowadays with all this computer stuff, unless you got somebody that's just a computer whiz and knows what they're doing with that stuff, you can't really fool with these cars too much. It's almost like you can't be a true mechanic anymore. You almost need to take it to somebody else that knows what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, the computers keep you locked out on a lot of them, but uh, I don't know. I, I love the new cars, but, I mean, there's something about taking your car out on the back roads for a cruise, you know, like me putting 100 miles on my car. I mean, you smell the gas and the wind, and and when you're doing 55 miles an hour, you feel like you're doing 55 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, my Tacoma, I can do 80 and feel like I'm doing 20, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I'd give up a lot of modern amenities just to take and be able to go out there, start up that big block 351 I got, and just sit there and smell the gasoline. And yeah. just, I love it. It just you know it's one of them things. It's it's a passion, and if you really love it, it's perfect for a lot of people. And you know that's the that's the thing. How how do we merge the old guys with the new guys? Because the new guys aren't really into a lot of things like that. I'm hoping the new cars, because, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's almost getting to be, I see a, a switch, is, it's almost 50-50 at car shows between the new cars, you know, the Challengers and the Camaros and the Mustangs and the old guys. I just hope that the old cars don't get pushed aside. It's going to be harder and harder, though. Those cars aren't getting any younger. No, and the thing of it is, is like when I was 16, everybody wanted a 55 Chevy, the older guys. Mm-hmm. And now the 55 Chevys is not – as big as, as the Camaros, Chevelles, and Mustangs. But before that, it was the brass era cars, you know, the 20s and 30s. Yeah. Well, how many people your age wants a 1920s car, you know? Mm-hmm. Not a lot. I mean, right now it seems like a lot of people our age are aiming for, like, the late 80s and up, going with the old Camaros and the Mustangs and stuff like that because I guess where they got really popular through that one stretch because – the Fox body Mustangs, the one you see the most out of any of them on a lot of these younger guys that want to go to old cars, and that's that's pretty much the extent of what I see because, I mean, I think I'm kind of a oddball out whenever I go somewhere because you don't see many young guys driving a car that is almost three times his age. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, you know, I, you know, you all know my son, and I told him years ago that, my 68 Camaro, I said, he, I said, when you turn 30, you can have it. And he's like, I don't want it. I'll just sell it. So I just beat him to the punch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to smack him next time I see well, you him. Think. You see what he drives now. He's got a very different taste and style. Oh, yeah. He's definitely got a little bit of more of a high-class car style to him. But, you know, I mean, it, it definitely is. It's not that it's a rare thing anymore to get into the old cars, but it's a selective taste because they're – they're getting expensive. I mean, you can buy a new one for close to the same price and do kind of a little bit more with it than you can with the older ones because the older ones you're limited to what guys make parts for it. Right. And you also can drive your as a daily driver too. Yeah, that's part dependency. Of it. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, what, 110, 115 miles, it took me a little over half a tank of gas. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it wouldn't come off full on anything else. Yep. So, I mean, 
Yeah. Oh, I got a uh, 10 gallon tank in my Corvette from the previous <laughs> owner, and I can't go anywhere. It, yeah. yeah. I have to stop for gas, and then it over, then it uh, vapor gas everything, but a gas station. And, it, and it, uh, I've died so many times at gas stations because it gets hot, vapor locks, and then I'm like, come on. So I'm at that point. The new engine's definitely coming down the pipe. So that's my next move or something. But yeah, yeah, much to Mason's dismay, he likes the romance of the old engines. Well, and, and let me let me say this. Yeah. Uh, I thought about that for my Firebird because mm-hmm. I said, well, the Pontiac engine costs so much money. I can drop an LS in there. It's faster, more reliable. But in 10, 15 years, that LS motor might look stupid in the old car because, and I tell you why, you guys may or may not know what a tune port injection is. Not a bit. You okay. Have to explain it to me. All right. A tune port injection is what they had in the mid 80s in the, in the IROCs and mm-hmm. in, the, in the Corvettes. Well, it looks like a spaceship engine. I mean, it's just, it's really compared <laughs> to them. Well, I seen one in an old Camaro not too long ago, and it looked so out of place. But back, you know, when you done if you done that in the eighties, it'd been cool, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm hoping like LS motors. Yeah, yeah, because it's definitely it's a weird fit. Like I go over to Street Rod Nationals every year, and like I love seeing the old seventy Mustangs with the five O in them from like the new eighteens and nineteens. But you know, how's that going to look in ten or fifteen years when that motor becomes pretty much outdated? And who knows, Ford might not even be making a gasoline motor in five to ten years. Well, when you scratch your head and like, what was this previous guy thinking? Put an old motor in an old car, an older car. Oh, well, that's that might be what it becomes. But uh, ultimately, I'm pretty set on the LS. And I, I did consider rebuilding my current engine, finding a big block, and all that stuff, and weighed the pros and cons, and. Um, Kind of got a game plan for the future. I would like to eventually take this car for like autocross and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, go LS. And just the reliability of it. There's so there's so much documentation on it that I can find lots of information, lots of tools, lots of parts. And so for me, I think it's definitely the right move forward. Uh, but I I do agree with Mason's sentiments of the of the older engine and the older car. It is it is very nice. Well, and you know, I'm kind of from the the group too that you know. I can take a small little Phillips head screwdriver, a pair of pliers, and maybe a hammer if I really need it, and get myself back on the road if I break down. I mean, it's that's it's thing. It's one of three things. You're missing fuel. You're missing air. You're missing spark. If you can't find one of the three, then that's where you got to start looking. With them, the old motors, now the new ones, it's kind of, you know, what's wrong with my computer? I don't know. Speaking yeah. of being confused, someone getting in who is confused, lost in their project car, where would you recommend they go to find help? Is it a car club? Is it, is it uh, forums online? Is it Facebook groups? I mean, what's what's the deal? I'll tell you what. It's it's forums and it's YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen so many, you know, on YouTube, I get stuck on something. You know, I didn't have that with my 68. But, I mean, now I do. So, I mean, I think it would be fine there. And LS Motor, it's kind of like those 80s Mustangs. There's so much aftermarket support for them mm-hmm. that – You'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, it'd be harder. It'd probably be harder to put it like a boss reel too, you know, in something or, <laughs> you know, or even a Hemi. They make parts of both LS engine in my car. So for me, I'm I'm pretty set there. It's been pretty easy. Yeah. But it's like I said, some people might come in and be a little confused. So YouTube's the biggest resource for those kind of people is what that you would say. Forms, but I, I'd say YouTube mm-hmm. for, for me anyway. Most of the Chevy and Dodge guys go over to the LS, but I've noticed, too, that the Fords, 
you'll see a lot of the Mustang guys that's got the 65s, the 70s, something like that. They're going over to the 80s and 90s Model 5.0 because it's the first one with, like, the fuel injection and stuff like that. So I guess that's their version of the LS pretty much is they're they're going into a more uh, dependable motor by going for that Fox body motor in the older car because yeah. it fits. I mean, it's perfect fit for no body modification. That's my big thing that scares me with putting, like, an LS motor in a car is are you going to have to do anything to your engine bay to make it fit? Because I'm not a body man. I'll admit that to you right now. I couldn't get yeah. you a 100-foot paint job, let alone a 10-footer. You're, you're more into personality. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> a grinder and a welder do anything. Yeah. You. But, I mean, yeah, fuel injection is great because, I mean, you know, this is goes for Mustangs. Now, 85 was the last year for a carburetor mm-hmm. for a Mustang. And I remember back then – People were leery about getting a fuel-injected Mustang in 86. And, well, look at it. Yeah. Fuel injectors 10 times better. Yeah. And that also ties into the finding someone to work on your car, these modern cars, all the computer. Um, the tuning is now a huge part of if you have a fuel-injection car and you want to make more power out of it, you have to get it tuned. Right. And that's a very different process than it was for a carbureted engine. And there's some guys out there that are whiz kids with them tuning programs. I, I wish I had that kind of knowledge, but just like body work, computer work is not my strong suit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like you said, the, the old cars, though, I mean, you know, you look outside, if you see puddle of water on the ground, your water pump might be bad. Or if you sit there and you, your fuel pump go bad, you'll dump fuel on the ground. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to figure it out. Leaking power steering or transmission fluid out the gills. Yeah, it's shopping. <laughs> it wasn't leaking. It was all on the ground. There was none left by the time I figured out what was going on. And it's the simplest of stuff, too, because I remember when we fixed that, it was all it was is that a hose clamp had loosened up just enough that when pressure built, shot right off. I mean, it's... You thought it was something worse, like it just blew up out of the air. I thought, oh, this is it. New engine's coming soon, or that I thought. And then, nope, it was really easy. And now it's fixed, and eh, it doesn't run. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. Now, I know you go cruising a lot, but do you do a lot of car shows? Or are you kind of sparing with them? Well, uh, with the 68, I think I went to three car shows total. Something years on with the car. Uh, when I finished the Firebird, you know, I was proud of it. Because, I mean, you know, when you... It's, it's different. Like, when you buy a car and, and take it to a show, I mean, you enjoy it, you worked on it, or if you bought it, you know, you worked hard for the money. And it, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you buy something that doesn't have a dry shaft, and doesn't have an engine, a transmission, wiring harness, or any of that, and the first time you start it, it's just, it's just a different feeling. But. Yeah, I know. That's it's one of them things that just did. Kind of kept, it boggles my mind, but I love the car show scene, really do. It's you learn a lot. That's where I learned a lot of my stuff from. I mean, I've tried Facebook, I've tried YouTube, and there's some good YouTube guys out there. But when I got in tied in with the Mustang Club, that's probably the best thing I could have done because there's there's guys that have been through the headaches, yeah, and they're trying to save the young guy. But there's some of them that'll let you go ahead and have the headache just so you learn, right? Right. <laughs> well, and, and you know the thing of it is, I think. With the Mustang Club, you have a mix of people. And it seems like a lot of the Corvette people I see are is mainly new Corvettes. So I don't know how much it's going to help you. Oh, I, <laughs> I'll figure it out for myself. I'm not, I'm not too concerned. I'm okay with making the mistakes and learning. It's it's pretty easy. I mean, especially if you just put like a small block Chevy in there with the HEI. 
I mean, one wire to the coil. I mean, one wire to the distributor. It's it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we usually round everything off with one last question. It's the question that kind of stumps some people, but it's a good one. If money was no object, say you won the lottery tonight, what car would you buy or build? If I was going to buy one, it it'd be a Ford GT. Believe it or not, a non-Ford person. <laughs> it would be a Ford GT. Brand new one? Brand new one. Yeah. Or at least a 2005. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty nice. They really are. Um, build a car. I've always wanted a 71 Cuda. Mm-hmm. And that's the high dollar mark on Cudas. So that's never going to happen either. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's why we ask it is the money being no problem because, you know, that's like me. I've always wanted the, I think it's a 68 GT350. And, you know, it, it's a beautiful car to see because they got one in Highland Green. It's got the white stripes, the bar for the convertible. That's the only time I really want a convertible in an old car is just for the 68 GT350. Right. Because it's a beautiful, high-priced car. I mean, I just saw one the other day for $200,000. I ain't got wow. a percent of that, let alone anywhere close to that. It's It's crazy. It's crazy what these cars are going for now. Mm-hmm. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this has been Kicking the Tires, and thanks for listening.